Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Chris Thomas, welcome. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Good morning, Joe. It's good, so, to, good to talk with you. I, I, let me let me uh, share with people who may not be familiar with uh, Christopher Thomas. First of all, he's a fellow with the uh, Bipartisan Policy Center's Democracy Project. He retired from Michigan Department of State after 40 years of election administration. Let me say that again. 40 years of election administration service, including 36 years as Michigan's director of elections. And he worked with both Republican and Democratic secretaries of state and then served on presidential commission on election administration. Um, I, I, I tell you what drew my attention, Chris, was the... Um, the Atlantic article titled Bad Losers. Election deniers are a threat to democracy. The midterm coming up could be the last chance to stop them. And it was by uh, Tim Alberta. Why do you say that? Let's start there. Why, Why do you say that this may be the last chance and what would happen if they're not stopped? Well, we are in a, a you know a tough situation. So we've election administration has been battered almost nonstop since 2016 uh, by you know Donald Trump and all his adherents, <laughs> and it's been a constant stream of non-factual conspiracies to call many administrators and voters uh, into question as purveyors of fraud. And election officials have lost a lot of ground in terms of the confidence that one segment, at least, of our population has in elections. And we're not going to win that all back in one election. So we can't, we can't lose one election. We can't have one bad election where mistakes are made. Um, And if we did, that would be pretty much it for a large portion of the population. Um, So they go at us election by election. But we've got to perform uh, as election administrators, uh, top drawer, uh, every single election with as few mistakes as possible. And as long as things run okay, and we don't have big mistakes, then I think that we we can uh, claw back some of that some of that territory we've lost. Now, did let me ask you: Did the and I'm going back to the 2000 election uh, and the the whole Al Gore, George W. Bush in Florida? You mentioned 2016. Did the 2000 election? With what was it? The butterfly ballots and the punch card yeah. and the hanging chads. Did that did that create a murky situation in the minds of a lot of people too? 
Yes, it did. Um, you know, we had not seen in this country that kind of inspection of an election system that was laid out in full view to the mass of population. So I always say, if they're talking about election administration at Thanksgiving dinner, then there were some big problems, right? You know, as and that's to, clearly what was going on. Yeah, as a, as a, as as opposed to the next football game after we exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. So, uh, yes, that that started the issues, okay. and you know, it called into question a, a number of things, and not only the punch card system and some of the shortcomings of that but also the manner in which voters were purged from Florida on uh, supposedly incarcerated people that from lists that were not good, that were gotten from the private sector. Uh, you start adding all that up, and you pretty easily come up to an Al Gore victory. You know, you can play that game pretty easily when you have 100,000 people removed from the rolls in questionable yeah. circumstances um, with a 537 vote difference. So, yes, that did. That started it. And then there was legislation to help America Vote Act. You know, everybody moved pretty much now to optical scan voting systems, which are a darn good system because they've got a paper ballot that the voter fills out and that can be recounted at the end of the day. And you know, Joel, there's one really interesting thing here. I'm going to speak from the Michigan perspective. For all the angst and, and a gnashing of teeth in 2020, nobody asked for a recount. Nobody said, oh, let's go to Detroit and recount their mail ballots. Nobody went up to Antrim County other than the Secretary of State. She went and did a, a, a hand audit where they recounted. But the parties, John, Donald Trump never asked for a recount. Why, why do you think that was the case? Because they knew it was a fraud, their fraud, that they're perpetrating on everybody. They know it was just a big scam that they were playing out. And if they'd had a recount, it would have come out. Uh, exactly as it came out on election night, and the game would have been up. Oh, I got you. They didn't want that. Um, you know, a funny thing, you know, Donald Trump, you know, he only won Michigan in 2016 by 10,700 votes out of nearly 5 million. And there was a recount. Uh, Jill Stein requested a recount. And so we started that recount. Of course, he was in court from day one trying to kill it, and he eventually did. So here's the guy that wants all this post-election auditing, except when it's recounting his race. And during that recount, he didn't want to have the ballots hand-counted. He, he wanted the Dominion machines to be used for the recount. So this guy, as normal, plays both sides of every issue, depending on you know, how it works for him. My guest is uh, Christopher Thomas, a uh, fellow with the Bipartisan Re Policy Center's Pro Democracy Project. And, I mean, years in Detroit, 40 years an election administrator. I, I was reading in the Atlantic uh, article 
uh, and this is what I wanted to add, what it was like, uh, incited by uh, Trump's acolytes in the state party, hundreds of Republican voters swarmed the event center in Detroit where you and your workers were tabulating votes. What was that like? And had you ever experienced, like, you know, I, I, I ran for a city council at one point when I lived in Detroit. And uh-huh. by the way, city clerk, um, yeah. I got to tell you, and I, I, I'd never thought of it. It was, it was beyond my imagination that something like that would happen. What was it like, Chris, to have that happen? It was surreal. Uh, Joe, it, it really was. It was playing out almost in a slow motion situation. You're looking at what is going on here. Because we started pre-processing on on Monday. So we had Republican challengers there all day Monday, all day Tuesday. And this swarm of uh, incited folks didn't show up until around noon, afternoon on Wednesday. So all the way up to that time, the Republican challengers were, that were there were just fine. They had a lot of questions. They didn't like some things, but they were civil. There were no major issues. And then when this throng came through the doors, um, all, all jacked up to try to stop the count because they filed a lawsuit to do it. And obviously, the red mirage worked, right? All the people, the Republicans, had voted in person. So late at night, looked like Donald Trump was carrying Michigan. And then, as the large cities came in with the massive mail voting, uh, that started to switch towards Biden to the point where he overtook Trump. And these folks were—they were crazed. I mean, they'd come up in groups to the tables, and they'd start screaming that. We challenge everything. We challenge everything, which you can't do. You've got to have specific challenges. I mean, they broke. They didn't know anything. They busted into the event center, banging on the windows, filming the election workers, and demanding to be led into the counting room. And and so that had to be unnerving for for the workers. And these aren't people that get paid a lot of money, are they? Do they? No, not not at all. And, and you know, there's all this talk about how we put uh, cardboard up over the windows. We did over some windows, not all of them. And we did it for the safety of the workers. They were banging on this glass. And we had work tables in close proximity, not right against, but in close proximity to those windows. And for the safety of the workers, you know, we put up some shields. Um and they claim, of course, that all their challengers were thrown out, which is not the case at all. <clears throat> we probably removed about uh, maybe maybe eight to nine challengers for behavior issues. Uh, but yeah, they had plenty of challengers in the room with the whole time. So you can see how all the lies got spun. And it's, it's just more of the same. Uh, but, yeah, it was surreal. There was a point at which they all started chanting stop the steal or stop the count. Uh, and, and that's when the police, you know, basically said, you know, we've got an issue here and we one, we likely have more people in or allowed in here. So we're looking at a room probably with 
uh, between 12 and 1,300 people in it. Whoa. Yes. So the TCF Center at the time, uh, now Huntington Place, um, <clears throat> it's a major operation to count these ballots. So Detroit, like many cities, <clears throat> ran absentee ballots at about you know, 25% of the vote until the 2018 constitutional amendment, which gave us uh, no reason absentee voting. And you throw the pandemic on top of that. So 68% of Detroit voters voted by mail. Mm -hmm. uh, and only 20 some percent or, <clears throat> um, or actually 32% showed up in person. So <clears throat> it was a huge, huge influx and management issue to process all of those ballots. Krista Thomas, uh, uh, what do you, uh, now that we, quote, unquote, seem to be adjusting to this, quote, unquote, pandemic, uh, are, what do you anticipate will happen now? Are you optimistic that, that uh, 26, 20, well, that the, 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 it won't, what happened in Michigan before won't happen again, or are you worried? And if you are worried, what can be done? What can be put in place? Are we prepared for what happened in, in Detroit and Michigan? I think we are. Um, we have made a lot of adjustments in Detroit, and I've got to say my hats off to Janice Winfrey, the clerk, and her staff. They've done. They've put together a fabulous operation, which we ran through the city elections last year in the primary uh, again this year. We made major adjustments, um, so we are balancing, you know, nearly a hundred percent. Which, for Detroit, that's that's always been a challenge to um, get that to get those numbers balanced, and we're there now. And regarding challengers. We have put a lot of conditions in place that will not allow that situation to occur again, our 2020 situation. That's not going to happen. Uh, we've cracked down on allowing people to wander around that hall. They'll be assigned to a specific location and be required to remain there throughout the day. Uh, so we're, we're well prepared for this election. I assume uh, with law uh, enforcement. We do have law enforcement. Uh, we've coordinated with them, and as usual, they've given great support. Um, and, and let me add another point. Okay. So the Republicans were all made a lot of noise about you know not being able to see things and not having enough people there. So they've gone out and recruited uh, precinct inspectors, the actual workers. And, you know, law says to the extent possible, we should try to balance our boards, right, between Republicans and Democrats. Right. It's always been a difficult thing to do in Detroit and other big cities. And likewise, you go out state, it's hard for them to find Democrats sometimes. Right. Well, we've got Republicans, and they served in the, in the primary election, and not a peep out of them. I mean, they did not complain about anything. There was no follow-up about you know, bad performance or anything, they were satisfied. So we'll see those that return, and we'll see, one, how many actually return after sitting through the long day in, in August. Um, so that's, I think, a positive thing. You know, okay, you're at the table. 
And then secondarily, they're bringing in about a lot of challengers, and they're training them ahead of time, which these folks that showed up in, on the Wednesday in 2020 had no training or any idea even what they were looking at. So we will see how their performance is. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I've got less than two minutes. It, sure. We keep talking about training. What do what kind of training, and who does the is and it doesn't appear to be official training, Christopher Thomas. Who trains them, and what are they the trained part, to do? Yeah, their parties train them. So that you're right. It's not official training. It's done by the political parties. They usually have election lawyers train them. They train them on what the law allows them to challenge. So they can challenge the procedures if something's not being done correctly. So they use our materials to see, okay, here's what the procedures are. Fine. If they're not following those procedures, you can challenge that. That's the primary thing they're there to do. Uh, Secretary of State's office says you really can't challenge a voter in a mail balloting center on election day. I mean, right. that voter's not there they're not to there. answer right. questions. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're there. Look, I got to tell you, uh, we may, if you don't mind, we might talk again. Uh, qu- real quick, when does voting start in Michigan? So we're out there right now. Uh, the city of Detroit's opened 12 uh, satellite offices yesterday for people to go in and get an absentee ballot. They can take it home and vote it, or they can vote it right there. Okay. So the ballots are out there. Voting started. And, uh, okay. and of course, they can go to the polls starting at 7 o'clock on, on November 8th. All right. Christopher Thomas, thank you with the Bipartisan Policy Center Democracy Project. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you, Joe. You're listening to Joe Madison. Joe Madison. The man with the plan for the midterm elections. Get registered now and get to the ballot on November 8th. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app. 